I'm Steph. I'm Kim. And, and this, this is Solved, Unsolved, or Spooky. Hey, Kimbo, how are you going? <laughs> Hello, I'm good. Oh, sorry, I shouldn't call you Kimbo. <laughs> just random because you haven't said that on me before. <laughs> sorry, that's my nickname for Kimberly. Yeah. And how are you guys? Hope all you guys are doing really well. After your last, your last case. Yeah. Are there any listeners left out there, or have you all left? Crazy. <laughs> Actually, I was just looking through Facebook because we don't have a TV, and it came over on Seven News that a fifty-four-year-old armed with a forty-five-centimeter hunting knife Whoa. approached an officer at like Central Station, so Sydney. And I'm stabbed him. Whoa. Like, Does it say if he's okay? No, it doesn't say, but I'm sh- I'm hoping he's okay. Like, I just knocked my mic. Sorry. 45 centimetres. Is that just a blade or is that included? Oh, I didn't say, but either way, it's big. It's massive. Wow. Yeah. I did see the photo of that. The coward creeped up behind him. Yeah, it looks like back. he's walking up behind him. God, I love cowards. But if you're going to do it's something, very a fair crack. And do it, you know, to someone's face. Yeah. When I'm in internet next, hmm, they will have a read of it. You'll have to update everybody, especially on that girl. Oh, yes. Like, I, I wonder, because that happened a little while ago, but we haven't really heard that much. Yeah. I think they're still just talking to them. Yeah. When you, mm. get, when you hear some info on that, you have to update. Because I, I want to know what is going on there. Yeah, so do I, I want to give her a big hug. You know what else I really want to know about? What happened to the dude who got stabbed and like the dude who stabbed him Jelly Bean at Jellybean Park? It takes so long for everything to go through court, doesn't I it? Oh, yep. <laughs> I really day, want to know. One day Kimberly and I will have all the answers. Then we can tell everyone. Yep. All the answers of everything you ever need to know <laughs> coming right here from us. All oh, right. wait, we, you're doing the one that you stole. I was doing this case. <laughs> you weren't quick enough. And I, know, I, was, I was going through and I'm like, hey, mom, do you know these people? Because I'm going to cover them. And I was like going through. And then I said the, the one she's doing. And she's like, no, you have to delete that right now. Because that's who we're doing this week. Yeah. So his name is Eric Edgar Cook. Yeah. Filthy Australian chook. I was just going to say, man, like, I know we try so hard to go outside of Australia for heaps of cases because we can't just focus on Aussie cases. But and then, hard. And then we literally focus on Aussie cases. I try. Who have I done? I did have a jumper. Last week. Last I was going to say, yeah, she was Japanese. She was Japanese. Edmund was Edmund. American. Yeah, and we've done the Wests and the Hindleys. We've done yeah. right the way around the world. It's <laughs> like four places. Now we're back to Australia. <laughs> All right. So Eric Cook was mitten, was nicknamed the Nightcrawler mm-hmm. and later the Netherlands Monster. The Netherlands Monster. Netherlands Monster. I, every time a word has Ned in it, I just think of our horse. <laughs> yeah, he's a bit of a monster. And every time someone says Ned Kelly because the people we got him off. Oh, we'll have to do a bit of a Ned Kelly one. I was going to say, the people we got a horse off called him Ned and there was another one and his name was Kelly. <laughs> it was really weird. <laughs> so now we just have a horse named Ned. No Kelly. Cook was born on the 25th of February 1931 in Victoria Park, a suburb of Perth, which is the big bit of <laughs> Australia. 
I was gonna say every time I do like cases and I look at like, where these people come from, I'm like, oh my god, these places have so many states and so many places. And then I look at Australia, and I'm like, how easy is Australia? <laughs> We've only really got a few states, and half of it. It's just one state, pretty much. It's pretty, pretty simple. Hey, us Aussies. Oh, I like it. It's so easy to remember. And he was the eldest of three children. Cook was sadly born into an unhappy, violent family oh. with a Scottish heritage. Well, they're good when you're born into a like dysfunctional family because it tends to lead one down the wrong path. Usually, I mean, not always, but and in this case, if we're covering them, usually, usually. His parents had gotten married solely because his mother, Christine Cook, was pregnant with him. Okay, that's not a good reason to get married. Just, that's what you did back in I'm the day. I'm just going to say, like, if you love each other and you happen to be pregnant, sure, marry. If you're just getting married because they're pregnant, it's probably not going to work. You're asking for trouble. Yeah. His alcoholic dirtbag father, Vivian Cook, beat him frequently. Wait, his dad and Sam was Vivian? I know, right? So I've never heard of a guy called Vivian I've heard, I've heard of another one because I do oh. think, how effeminate. Because isn't Vivian Pretty Woman? And I just think of those I legs. don't know. <laughs> but now I'm thinking about Pretty Woman. Mm. I don't care. Oh, well. And especially got beaten when he was trying to protect his mother. Oh. So the poor That's kid. That's so sad. He's a wee little chap. With his alco nasty dad, and he's trying to protect his mum. Okay, that's sad. So he started out with yeah. intentions and just gets the crap beaten out of him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It is said that Eric would try to stop his mother's beatings, resulting in heavier beatings for him. Mm-hmm. Christine Cook would sleep in the staff room at her job in the Como Hotel to avoid the regular beatings. Oh, my God. Okay, love, leave him. You need to leave. But you think... Oh, so I hate this. She's staying at work because it's so bad. What about, where are the kids? The kid, the kids at home. Oh my god, don't leave your kids. the beatings. Don't leave your kids there with him. Like, I, I guess, I get trying to avoid it. I was going to say, but take your kids with you. Cook was born with a cleft lip and cleft palate. Oh. He had one operation when he was three months old and another when he was three and a half years. Oh, the photo I look looked at didn't really, you couldn't really tell you must have done it before. oh i know he's still got a little bit of a cookie yeah cookie face unfortunately operation to repair the deformities were not totally successful leaving him with a slight facial deformity and he also spoke with a mumble so this poor kid like life's mm. hard enough life's not you know kids are jerks uh, yes, they are. They're nasty. <laughs> I can attest to that. No, you coughed. Oh, my God. <laughs> you were like the school punching bag. And these challenges made him a target of bullying at school. Yeah, that's, just thinking, that's not good. Although, we don't murder people. <laughs> that's it. Don't go on to murder people just because you had a rough time in school or like, had a rough time at home. Well, you were born into this family, right? And I tell you what, we're, we're not normal by any means. <laughs> Not normal, but not bad. And you got bullied at school. Oh, yeah, school. I mean, I was good at school, but I hated it because, yeah, bullies. Bullies. Cook's disfigurements also made him ashamed, shy, and emotionally unstable at a young age. Due to the beatings and bullyings that came with it, Cook was very good at most subjects, as he had an excellent memory and was good with his hands. Hmm. This guy, hmm. I swear, he has what? Is it identical? Oh, um, oh, now you throw me off. I know what you mean. Um, oh, I can't remember. It's gone. 
whatever they call it, identicate memory. Oh. Where they never ever. Yeah, they just remember absolutely everything. Everything. That's this yeah. guy. If only he'd used it for the, all the good things in Do life. Do you know how much I've wished I had that? When I was little, I swear I could remember everything. Now I'm just like, what, what, why did I come in this room? <laughs> <laughs> like my, my brain is literal mush. Yeah, that happens. I'm I like, it's my age. I like pick up something, I'm like, why did I pick this up? I don't even know anymore. I better eat it. <laughs> Whereas, like, when I was younger, I was just like, oh, did you know this? <laughs> oh, you still do that. You're full of knowledge, full of. Not useful knowledge. Random knowledge. He was expelled from Subiaco State School for stealing money from a teacher's purse at the tiny age of six. <laughs> oh, my God. Is I was going to say, though. Is that like, not the saddest? I know so many people who did stuff like that. Cool. I know, but you think. You're six years old and you're stealing from a purse. Yeah. That's coming from your home life. Oh, definitely. That's At not, six, you're not just like, oh, I need to steal it's this. It's not coming from a six-year-old. No. That's taught behaviour. The pressure's it's like some people we know who were told as young people. Yeah, go steal and that because when I'm not giving you the money to go no, get it. if they it. wanted food. If they need, wanted food, they had to go steal. If they wanted family. anything. Definitely taught behaviour. I, yeah. I do feel sad for this child. It was I feel set. sorry for him as a child. Yeah. Don't, I don't really excuse anything he did later on. No. Yeah. He was then sent to Newcastle Street Infant School, where he was once again the butt of many jokes of with his mumbles and scar, mm. which is so sad. Like, but do you know the thing? I always hear, like, they these bullies and that they pick on something that's super visible and obvious and that, and I'm like... I can't help but think how um, my bullies were so stupid because they picked on me for the stupidest reasons, like, oh, your socks are like, blah, blah, And I'm like, I literally have two different coloured eyes and two different sized pupils and I had a speech impediment. <laughs> like, And, and all you, they could notice was... And I was like, and you didn't pick up on that. To be yep. teased. I'm like, I, just, I couldn't help but thinking the whole time how stupid they were. I'm like, know. I actually have things you could tease me about, but okay. Yeah. Just pick on me because of my socks and Mine stuff. Mine just teased me because I was fat and short. Steph the hair and frigid midget. <laughs> <laughs> Is that the one that you threw the table? Oh, no, she just used to beat my head in and pull my hair every day. Oh, okay. These are horrible creatures, they really are. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, back to this one. Sorry, I was just like, is she the one that you threw a table <laughs> Yeah, she deserved uh, it. Well, she didn't pick on you after that. Yeah, she didn't pull my hair ever again. <laughs> <laughs> he continued to be made fun of at every school he attended. Oh, that's really sad. Including Highgate Primary School, Forest Street Primary School, and Newcastle Street Junior Technical School. How many schools did this kid attend? Sounds like he went to a few, hey? I was going to say, like, that's crazy. I think his parents were just crap. Yeah, obviously. Because Cook was also placed in orphanages and foster homes on oh. occasions. And much like his mother, Cook would Wait, hide. do they just give it back, him back to them? Well, like if you're put in an orphanage home, to me, that means you're incapable of looking after your child. So why would they just keep giving you back? Maybe it was short term incapableness. Yeah, no, no, I don't agree with that. Mm. <laughs> like, you need to be able to prove that you're capable of looking after that child before they give. The system's just too much in demand. I don't know what it was like back then, but oh. now it's out of control. I mean. Okay, much like his mother, Cook would hide underneath the house or roam neighbouring streets just to escape the nights of his father's violence. Oh, my God. 
Cook was frequently hospitalised for head injuries (gasps) and has suspected brain damage because of his accident proneness. Well, if he wasn't going to be a horrible person because of his upbringing, the head traumas are probably going to... Yeah. Although, (laughs) do I have brain damage? Because everywhere I go, if I, like, work there, I'm like, by the way, because my eyes are different, if I'm unconscious, I will automatically assume I have brain damage. I think just talking to you, they know that you've got brain damage. Love you too, Mum. <laughs> Later, this was questioned whether it was due to repressed suicidal tendencies. What am I doing? I'm up to now. <laughs> I don't know. Ignore that bit. He also suffered from recurrent headaches and was once admitted to an asylum. Oh. No wonder he became a serial killer, poor little chap. He's not having much luck, that's for sure. No. Not much good's happening. His reported blackouts later stopped after an operation in 1949. He left school at 14 to work as a delivery boy in order to support the family. Be oh, sad. This whole story is just sad. <gasps> he would give his weekly wages to his mother, who could not fully support the family with the money she earned from cooking and cleaning. Many of Cook's jobs put him in hospital due to his accident proneness. <laughs> oh. At his job in the factory in Harris, Scarf and Sandover, Cook was hospitalised after being struck on the nose by a winch. (laughs) And at age 16, he worked as a hammer boy in the blacksmith section of the workshop at Midland Junction, where he always signed his lunch lunch bag as Al Capone. At the same job, he ended up burning his face with steam, suffering second-degree burns and jarred his right hand and injured his left thumb. He is accidentally So he's that young still. Like, he's still 16 at that point, Mm. and he's burning his face off and all sorts. Starting at age 17, Cook spent his nights involved in petty crimes and vandalism. He would later serve 18 months in jail for burning down a church. (laughs) <laughs> After he was rejected in choir audition. <laughs> I was rejected after a choir audition. Wasn't that in kindy? I kind of get it. What? Wasn't that in kindy? Mine was in kindy. <laughs> I was absolutely destroyed. I just, I literally, I, I was in choir every year. I mean, I hated it. All the girls that I hated choir, and I don't know why we, we kind of decided, oh, I would make mum and dad proud. It did make us proud. And I'd like you. Yeah, I didn't care if you did choir or not. I was living through you because I was rejected at such a young age. But I'm like, I see, like, all of us, we're terrible singers and we got in. How did you get rejected in kindy? I think I'm exceptionally special. I think my singing is, you know, just that much worse than anyone else's. Like, the only times I sing pretty much is at home and when my friend plays Disney songs. You've heard me screech, right? I would have screeched exceptionally hard to get into choir. (laughs) I can see now. I'm surprised I didn't get expelled from school. Anyway. I love you, (laughs) Mum. During his late teenage years, Cook would sneak into houses and steal valuables, anything he could find. This escalated escalated to damaging clothing and furniture in acts of revenge. (laughs) Okay. He probably felt he had nothing and these people had these people everything. Have got so much not fair. <sighs> he would cut out newspaper accounts of his crimes to impress his acquaintances. 
in attempts to gain friends. Oh, that is so sad. I know. Oh, why couldn't he have just had a good life and then this wouldn't I have know. happened? His cute little scar and his little mumble. At Cook's oh. grandmother's house on the 12th of March, 1949, police finally caught up with the young vandal, finding evidence in his house. Because although he had one of those identical memories, he obviously wasn't very smart. His fingerprints were then matched to those found in other open cases. And at the age of 18, Cook was sentenced to three years in prison after being arrested for arson and vandalism by a detective Burroughs who considered the boy one of life's unfortunate. <laughs> that is brutal. How do you stand a chance? Like if that's what people think of you. Brutal. <laughs> one of life's unfortunate. He was convicted on two charges of stealing, several, seven of breaking and entering, and four of arson. Oh, arson's left, not good there. No. He'd left behind many fingerprints <laughs> and easy clues for detectives to find. Well, he's a, pretty much a child. <laughs> this, unfortunately, would teach him to be more careful in his future crimes. Oh, God. Cook was described as a short, slight man with dark, wavy hair and a twisted mouth. Oh. At age 21, Cook joined the regular Australian Army, but was discharged three months later after it was discovered that before enlistment, he had a juvenile record for theft, breaking and entering an arson. Hmm. But that could have made all the difference. Yeah. That could have been it. Leave him in the Army. They'll straighten you out. Leave him have some discipline. (laughs) Anyways. During his training, he was quickly promoted to Lance Corporal and was taught to handle firearms. In 1953, Cook, aged 22, married Sarah, or Sally Levin, a 19-year-old waitress at the Cannington Methodist Church. They ultimately had a large family of seven children with four boys and three girls. Now, you think, I had lots of kids. Well, you had had four and then were giving, and then you acquired three more. Some more. (laughs) I was a busy woman and I did not have time to go around doing anything bad to other people. No. I didn't have time to cut. How do you have time with all those kids <laughs> to commit crimes and stuff? I don't know. Maybe he did it to get away from them all. Maybe he did. That's a lot of kids. <laughs> he was active as a serial killer from September 1958 Whoa. to August 1963. That was a fair chunk. Five long years and only stopped due to his arrest. <laughs> so he would have just kept going. Like, I guess I'll stop now because you're arresting me. Hmm. He randomly terrorised the city of Perth by committing at least 22 violent crimes, eight of which resulted in deaths. Oh, wow. Cook later ha- claimed to have kidded, committed more than 200 thefts, five hit-and-run offences against young women. <laughs> like, what have you got against young women? And the two murders for each of which Daryl Raymond Beamish and John Button were already imprisoned. Oh, see, I got this one and I was going to, like, research it, but I hadn't researched it. So I'm like, I don't know so much of it. Cook started his criminal career as a vandal and escalated to arson, theft, and eventually murder. Mm. The various ways that Eric killed his victims included hit and runs, strangulations, stabbings, and shootings. Okay, so very varied. Very, very different MOs. Yeah, I was going to say, usually they kind of like have Stick their thing one. that you Maybe can have a twist here and there. Yeah, but he's like, I'm just going to do what I feel like today. 
This made it very difficult for police to even link the crimes. Well, they're all completely different. Yeah. And it sounds like he's got, like, different victims as well. Yeah. And as mentioned earlier, there were already two convicted. There were some guys sitting in jail for some of his crimes. That's crazy. So how do you link the crimes? Yeah. 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 Eventually, when he was caught, he confessed, giving chillingly detailed accounts of his crimes, helping to put all of the pieces together for police. Cook pled not guilty by reason of insanity, but the court wasn't having it. I think maybe he had schizophrenia and... Maybe. Well, he definitely had head injuries, so... Yep. And he was later sentenced to death by hanging, which was carried out on the 26th of October 1964. So he was the last person to be hanged in Western Australia. I was going to say, how long did we hang for? Because I feel like we got rid of that a fair while ago. Mm, 64. So what are we now? Yeah. That's crazy. Back in the 50s and 60s, Aussies frequently left cars unlocked and often with the keys in the ignition. (laughs) You mean like my car right now? (laughs) This made it easy for Cook to steal cars at night, and sometimes he even returned stolen vehicles without the owners becoming aware of the theft. Oh, that's funny. Which I'm okay with that. I'm not. Don't use too much fuel. That's that's kind of funny, but don't do that. (laughs) He later confessed by committing numerous hit and runs. He later confessed to, to committing numerous hit and runs. In September 1955, after having crashed a stolen car and requiring hospitalisation, Cook was sentenced to two years' hard labour on a charge of unlawful use of a motor vehicle. What, what, what was his hard labour? I don't know. That's weird. I, I forget we had all these different I things back just, then. I think it was just going to prison. <laughs> he was ultimately released from Fremantle Prison just prior to Christmas 1956. After his release, he took to wearing women's gloves whilst committing crimes. So he's learned. Hmm. In order to avoid leaving fingerprints. I was going to say, you got to make sure you don't leave those fingerprints. No, they've already got him convicted, which had been his undoing in re- relation to his prior breaking and entering convictions. Cook's five-year killing spree involved a series of seemingly unrelated hit and runs Stabbing, stramblings. Strambling? <laughs> Unstrambling. <laughs> Do you mean str- strangling? <laughs> Stranglings and shootings. Victims were shot with different size and styles of rifles. Stabbing. Well, that makes not- it even more yes. confusing. No, same like he doesn't even use the same weapon. No. Stabbed with scissors, knives, Ooh, scissors. hit with cars, beaten with an axe. <gasps> oh, beaten with an axe. How much anger do you have, sir? Sir. (laughs) I don't know why I said (laughs) sir. Sir. Several were killed after waking up as Cook was robbing their home. Oh, my God. Go back to sleep. Two were shot while sleeping and their homes were not even disturbed. Oh, so I'm just going to come in and shoot you just because I can. Because he can. Yeah. After stabbing one victim... Cook got lemonade from the refrigerator and sat on the veranda and drank it. I did hear you right. I was like, lemonade? Lemonade. What is with that? It's like the Night Stalker and that. It's like they read about each other and they get little bits and they take it and use it. I don't like it. Mm. It's like PTK with his water. What is with these people? One victim, victim was strangled to death with the cord from a bedside lamp, after which Cork Cook raped the corpse. Oh, oh, okay. So he's one of those. He's one of those necrophiliacy people. Yuck. He disrobed and dragged it to a neighbour's lawn. Oh. 
then sexually penetrated it with an empty whiskey bottle. Oh, oh I'm okay. assuming he drank the whiskey to be doing this. He then okay, this all of a sudden was a robot. He then left the whiskey bottle cradled in the victim's arm on the neighbor's lawn. Okay. Okay, and this dude has serious issues. I think he's escalated somewhat. Um, just a bit. Cox <laughs> murder victims were Penny Berkman, Gillian McPherson Brewer, John Lindsay Sturkey, George Ormond Walmsley, Rosemary Anderson, Constant Lucy Madrill, and Shirley Martha McLeod. Another victim, Brian Weir, died as a result of permanent injury three years after being shot by Cook. Oh, well, that's horrible. So he's got himself quite a tally. I was going to say, he's been busy. He's a busy boy. Good thing he, like, he, who knows how long he would have gone if he, like, he, he would, only stopped because he was caught. Like, thank God he going. got caught. He was on, like, a bit of a bender a spree. At the time, like a spree, yeah, yeah. When, it, when this all happened. Oh, gosh. In the early hours of January 27, 1963, a series of random shootings with a 22-inch rifle occurred in the suburbs of Perth. The victims were a couple who were wounded in a parked car at Cottesloe. A male accountant. Why do I know that name? Um, Claremont. Ah, Claremont. That's why I know that name. A male accountant fatally wounded by a single shot to the head while asleep in a flat nearby. An 18-year-old student, John Sturkey, was killed by a single bullet to the head while sleeping on the veranda of a boarding house at Netherlands. Oh, God. Ah, oh, that's why it's called Netherlands. Yeah. And a retired grocer who was murdered when answering the bell of his front door in the next street. Oh, my God. Public anxiety was made worse by another two murders only a fortnight later. And Brian William Robinson was charged with both, tried for one and hanged. <gasps> oh. But did he do it? At all? Like any of them? It doesn't really say. Or did he just get hung for no reason? It doesn't really say. Because I think I read later that they think Cook did it. Oh. Oh. <laughs> but he's dead now anyways. So is that dude, like if he didn't do it. Yeah. Oh, God. I think he might have done one. and He better have done something like that to deserve that. Like you, you can't just go around hanging people yeah. if they didn't do it. January's pattern and fears returned in August when an 18-year-old female student was killed by a single shot to the head while babysitting in Dalkia. What? Um, What about the baby, child, whatever it was? I don't know. They were babysitting. Like, is it just there by itself now? Must be. Okay. What is his problem? Why does he just go around shooting people and stabbing people? I think schizophrenia. I'm thinking he's psychotic, to be honest. Yeah, something. It was for this murder that Cook was captured by police on the 1st of September when he attempted to retrieve the hidden weapon. <laughs> In addition to the four who died by Cook's marksmanship, he was acknowledged by the state to be responsible for the murders of a South Perth beautician stabbed on the 30th of January 1959 and a female social worker strangled in West Perth on the 16th of February 1963. The police investigation included fingerprinting more than 30,000 males aged over the the age of 12, as well as locating and test firing more than 60,022 rifles. Wow. Incredibly, after a rifle was found, 
hidden in bush on Rockwood Street. Police tested it and the ballistic test proved the gun had been used in the McLeod's murder. That's crazy how many guns are just around. So what What he done, he shot the babysitter yeah. and hid the, hid the gun. Idiot. And someone found the gun and that's when they tested it. So this is why it's good now and partly because of the um, Port Arthur thing that we have yeah, we don't stricter have gun laws. So people can't just go around having heaps of guns and no. <laughs> doing this stuff. Some people can't get a gun licence no matter how hard they try. <laughs> You're still upset about that, aren't you? I am. I'm sure it'll happen. Probably just right at the bottom. Twelve months it's been. Police returned to the location and tied a similar similar rifle rendered inoperable to the bush with fishing line. Okay. This is where the other is he one just was. like hiding these bush like things in bushes or just wherever? Yeah, you just hid it in a bush. Okay. So the cops have come and put this <laughs> this gun in its place. That's funny. Uh, and waiting in hiding in case someone returned for it. Cook was noted loitering in a car in the area several times <laughs> and was apprehended when he tried to collect the weapon just after midnight on the 1st of September. That's funny. After initially denying the McLeod murder, Cook eventually began confessing to his many crimes, including eight murders and 14 attempted murders. Hmm. How poor at murder can you be? <laughs> You've attempted 14. Well, I think he's he's attempted the eight. Yeah. And then he's attempted another 14 and hasn't worked very well for him. At least they didn't work for him, I suppose. I guess so. Like, that's the boss. <laughs> he was convicted on a charge of murdering Sturkey, one of Cook's five Australia Day shooting victims. Oh. In his confessions, Cook demonstrates an exceptionally good memory for the details of his crimes, irrespective of how long ago he'd committed the offences. For example... He confessed to more than 250 burglaries and was to and was able to detail exactly what he took, including the number and denominations of the coins he'd stolen from oh, each location. Wow, that's actually pretty impressive. Like if I went to your car now and I stole two bucks fifty, I would be like, "Where'd you find it? Can I have, can I, have it? <laughs> I wouldn't remember that. Nicking you two bucks fifty. I literally can't remember what I did this morning. I know we looked for a snake. And that's about it. The book, <laughs> presumed guilty by Brett Christian, includes details of Cook's confessions made over two days in September 1963. At Fremantle Prison, to his legal aid lawyer, Desmond Heenan, he says, I have a great respect for the law, although my actions don't show this. <laughs> no, they don't. Don't. Very much not, sir. I don't know why I keep saying sir for this. Sir. I don't know. Cook pleaded not guilty on the grounds of insanity. Okay. Sounds fair enough. At trial, Cook's lawyer claimed that he suffered from schizophrenia, but his claim was dismissed after the director of the state mental health service testified that he was sane. The state would not allow independent psychiatric specialists to examine Cook. You're sane and nobody else will be examining you, (laughs) sir. Cook was convicted of willful murder on the 28th of November, 1963. When did I say that they hung him? 63 or 64? 64, I think. So back then he used to be able to do it in within a year. What's going on now? And he had a three-day trial by jury. 
He was sentenced to death by hanging, and despite having grounds to appeal, he ordered his lawyer not to apply, hmm. claiming that he deserved to pay for what he'd done. Yeah. And yes, you do. I mean, if you do a crime, got to do, do the, the time. time. Or no time, really, but if you're getting hung. If you do the crime, hang like a charm. After the thir- after 13 months in New Division, Cook was hanged at 8am on the 26th of October 1964 in Fremantle Prison. Ten minutes before his sentence was carried out, Cook swore on the Bible that he had killed Brewer and Anderson, claims which had been previously rejected because other people had already been convicted of those murders. Mm. While the rest of the prison's inmates gathered in an exercise yard, a cloth hood was placed over Cook's head. In those days, there was electricity running through the place, quoted David Campbell, who watched over Cook for months. When the trapdoor opened, the sound reverberated around the whole prison, and then it was done. He was buried in Fremantle Cemetery, above the remains of child killer Martha Rendell, who was hanged in Fremantle Prison in 1909. Two of Cook's murders resulted in false convictions, mm. the Beamish case. Daryl Beamish, a deaf mute, oh. I know, always, was convicted in December 1961 of murdering Gillian McPherson Brewer. Oh, my God. She was a Melbourne heiress who was struck with a hatchet and stabbed with scissors. Got to be the and deaf and why did they think it was him? Like, I don't know. Okay. Probably because he couldn't speak up and. Well, I hope they released him. I think. Maybe. Let's find out. They better have. In 1959, Beamish was initially sentenced to death, but the sentence was commuted to imprisonment and a later investigation supported by post-newspaper owner Brett Christians led to his conviction being overturned. Beamish's initial appeal was dismissed because the court did not believe Cook's evidence. The prosecution claimed that Cook's confessions were an attempt to prolong his own trial. Chief Justice of Western Australia, Sir Albert Wolfe, called Cook a villainous, unscrupulous liar. Then there was the Button case. John Button was wrongfully convicted for the death of his girlfriend, Rosemary Anderson. Oh, oh this one's sad. That does sound sad. She died in Royal Perth Hospital at 2.30 in the, or- in the early morning of 10th of February 1963. Anderson had spent the previous day with Button in celebration of his 19th birthday. Oh. They had a minor argument at his home that night, which culminated in her deciding to leave the Button house and walk home. Button followed her in his car at different stages, attempting to have her accept his lift home. Oh. So he was just trying to be sweet. At one stage, Button parked his car to smoke a cigarette. Upon resuming driving, he turned into Stubbs Terrace in Shenton Park and discovered her laying on the ground beside the road. Oh. John Button took his injured girlfriend to a local doctor, and she was sub- subsequently transferred to the RPH by ambulance. Police became involved and interrogated Button, who, after intense questioning and upon re- receiving notice of Anderson's death, broke down and falsely confessed to being responsible oh. for hit and run death. What? Oh, no, they must have given him a hard time. Oh, my God. Like, you did it. You were following her. She's been hit by a car. You did it. That's so crazy. And he probably thinks he did do it. 
I hate that. After conviction for manslaughter, the court dismissed Button's initial appeal. Even though Cook had by this time confessed to the crime and provided details that only the culprit would have known in particular, the judges did not believe Cook's claim that Anderson's body was thrown over the roof of a Holden EK sedan. Why did they believe that? I don't know why he didn't believe it, but he didn't. Okay. Uh, without dam- without damaging its external windscreen sun visor, as Cook had claimed. Over subsequent subsequent decades, Button and his supporters, including Christian and Blackburn, continued to press for a retrial, mm. a campaign that included a well-publicised 1998 simulated reenactment of Anderson's death. Mm. So these guys went all out yeah, to sounds- prove it. Conducted by crash test experts with both a Holden matching one believed to have been used by Cook on the night in question mm. and three Simca Aronde sedan-like cars owned by Button, which were driven at a crash test dummy. The dummy was thrown over the roof of the Holden, as Cook had claimed, mm. and the damage sustained matched the records that a panel-beating business had in 1963 after repairing the vehicle driven by Cook. Mm. So they proved it was him. Why didn't they, the actual, you know, people who were supposed to do that, do that at the time? Like, oh, who knows? <laughs> the experts found that the sun visor flexed when hit by a body and returned to its original shape without cracking the paint. An expert from the United States was brought to Australia to prove Cook's car, not Buttons, hit Anderson. Mm. Despite Cook's 1963 confession, Beamish had already served a long 15 years. Oh, my God. 15 years for, like... Something you didn't do. Something you didn't do, especially your girlfriend, who now you've you've lost. That was... The Beamish one was the other one. Was it? girlfriend, yeah. Okay. And then Button. Oh, Button, yeah. Well, Button was sentenced to 10 years and ended up serving five. Oh, my God. In 2002, the Court of Criminal Appeal quashed Button's conviction. Button's success opened way for an appeal by Beamish, who was thankfully acquitted in 2005. Such a long time to spend in prison. It's crazy. First off, you didn't do. In both cases, the appeal judges found that the murders had probably been committed by Cook. On the 2nd of June 2011, Beamish was granted $425,000 <laughs> by the Western Australian Government. There was nothing reported about Button's release terms or any payments received. Hmm. So I think he just got his five years and kicked up the bum and told to get out. Okay. Hmm. Okay. Unfortunately, two of Cook's children also suffer from disabilities, with the eldest of his children being mentally disabled, while another book was born with a physical disability. If you'd like to know more, you can watch the new documentary released on Stan. It's a four-part series called After the Night. And Estelle Blackburn spent six years writing the biographical story, Broken Lives, about Cook's life and criminal career, focusing particularly on the devastation left on the victims and their families. Mm, That sounds interesting. And that is my story on Eric Edgar Cook. Well, it was a sad one. It was a sad one. Just sad all round. It is sad all round, hey? Sad when he was little and then... Sad for all his victims. Hmm. But at least he wore it. 
at least he fessed up, got the other guys out of jail, mm-hmm. and said, I don't want an appeal. Although he left them there for long enough. I did this. I need to be hung. And I agree. Good on you. Uh, you got anything? I don't think so. <laughs> I do. I feel sorry for Edgar. Eric Edgar. I did when he was little, and then he okay. and then he started murdering people. Yeah, he kind of lost it. I reckon he was in. I think he was psychotic when he was murdering people. To be honest, I don't care. He still did it. That's the other thing. That's probably like everyone's like, well, they don't know what they're doing. I'm like, I don't care if they knew what they were doing or not. They still did it. They could still do that again. Well, they're likely to do it again. That's the thing. I, I'm like, I don't care. They should be in jail or in a mental institution where they can get help. Or in Either way. Case, dangling. Oh, yeah. I mean, we don't hang people anymore. No, but I think there's definitely a place for it. Yeah, there's some cases where I'm like, you, yeah, definitely shouldn't be here. Murphy Brothers. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, I, do, I, I don't even have words for them. They deserve to breathe the same air the rest of us breathe. I hate them. Yeah. There's so many people in this world, I'm just like, I just hate them. They're just filthy. <sighs> so, what are you doing next week? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well... I don't know, because I haven't thought that far ahead. All righty. So you don't know if it's going to be a kind, gentle one or whether it's going to be... I don't know. ...brutal? I don't know. I will have to I've already got my next two picked out. Have you? I haven't done Oh, wait, yeah. Mm. You do. I don't know how long my next one will go for, because it's just about two girls that went to my school who went missing. Oh. Okay, I wasn't sure who you were doing now. And I still miss them. Yeah. So I don't know if I'll be doing two. Mm. All right, well, you better go do some research. Mm. I'm just not sure because, like, I really wanted to do Catherine Knight, but I feel like I should try to, like, go outside of Australia for a bit. Oh. <laughs> well, maybe I should go outside of Australia. My next to Australia. <laughs> they can't see what I mean. We try and then we're like, oh, we're back in Australia again. Oopsie-daisy. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> uh, no. We'll see. Okay. <laughs> Bye. We'll see Bye. you next week. Bye. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed the podcast. You can follow us at Facebook at Solved, Unsolved or Spooky, on Twitter at hashtag or solved, Instagram at Solved, Unsolved or Spooky. You can email us at podcast at solved unsolved or spooky.com and if you want to support the show go to podfan and find solved unsolved or spooky and pick one of the tiers thank you please subscribe and leave a review on itunes Mm -hmm.